my name is Athena Kablenu. I'm a stand-up comedian, writer, and a podcaster, and a parent, which is fantastic, and I love it. But my toddler and my eight-week-old do lack something in the way of conversation. So to make up for that, I invite a friend round to keep my company. Yada, yada, yada. We know we're in a pandemic. No one can come round, but we're doing <laughs> this all virtually online. Ooh, modern technology um, and stuff. Well, not, not that modern because you could do this you know, 70 years ago, just with a phone. Anyway, um, I, don't, I, I won't talk it down. It's still very impressive. Um, so today, I'm thrilled, pleased as punch to welcome to my podcast, Becky Singh. Hey, hello. He- hello. How's it going? Uh, very well, thank you, actually. It's been... Um, it's been... No, 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 that's not the right answer. It's, supposed, it's stress. Yeah, right? sorry. We're stressed sorry. out. <laughs> um, yeah, right. So, oh, God. Um, very well, but stressed. How about that? Um, yeah, that's that's, that's on 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 trend. That's, well, I think that's what we my response is very well, and I give that response when people ask because at the moment I am trying very hard to bring any kind of optimism to <laughs> our current situation. It's, I mean, I've I had to sort of I'm doing a little bit of a um, a moonlighting job. I've been. Um, working with local government and the NHS to do um, to manage COVID testing, and so um, it's weird they've they've brought in quite a lot of people that would normally be doing project managing in TV and entertainment, and for a lot of us there is not a great deal of that happening at the moment. So um, I've been doing that, and it's been hugely eye opening. Um, What's okay? So, what have your eyes seen that you weren't aware of before? Well, one, how flipping cushy my life is normally. <laughs> when you start, you know, like I'm up on Friday at four thirty in the morning, and that <laughs> just seems horrendous, doesn't it? It seems horrendous, but that's actually a fair percentage of the population's everyday life, and that's uh, you know. And I, I think working in entertainment, you sometimes get. I mean, I've always said it, but we do have this kind of like, oh, dramatic life or death kind of moments where you're like, oh, it's all so important and this is so stressful. And of course it is, not to belittle that, but um, yeah, there's a lot out there that's equally, if not more stressful. And we're all very lucky. We are up till now. Had you always worked in entertainment? Yeah, well, yes, actually. I mean, I... Like Bruce Forsyth, you're you're a lifer. I've just, I started, I mean, even at school, I was working on stage productions. And then I was, I sort of had a brief, I'd say a a brief point where I tried to do um, other, more sensible stuff. Um, And then at 21, I ended up going into comedy. So yeah, pretty much my whole entire life. That's really interesting because I can relate strongly to what you said earlier about kind of real, quote unquote, real job people having a harder life than comedian people because I had a real job you know up until basically uh, just over a year and a half ago that section of work which was dedicated to the day job was just mm. oh my god like exhausting like I th- reflect on it and I think how could anyone be bothered to do this and the commuting was what um was what will really kill you but also just the kind of the demands on your time which are just yeah. you you there was no flexibility now it's like someone's a meeting it goes in my diary when I'm free you know, someone wants to schedule a recording, it goes mm. in my diary when we're both free, but there's a, a rigidity to kind of day-to-day work that most people do that is, it, that is draining because you have to, it's like you, instead of, it's like, instead of working to live, it's like you live to work. Yeah. 
it, it it's though conversely I do find that there's something about and it I suppose it really depends on the job I mean I'm talking about at the moment I'm sort of doing what's considered a frontline job and it it sits with me afterwards but weirdly I am my mind is a lot more free than it would be if I was doing an arts job because it that especially if you're trying to write and create where that never leaves you it's always humming in the back of your head and you never feel like you've done enough work and you never feel like you're doing enough to it whereas I can when I get home I'm pretty exhausted but I can let it go like I know what you mean I used to switch off from my day job I'd be like I'd be like get to a point where I'm like I owe nothing more to this organization like <laughs> literally I owe you nothing like the song whereas with like comedy it's like I still owe you I'm in debt to comedy <laughs> like I'm constantly trying to pay well, off because, some imaginary debt well it's also that you can never do enough it reminds me a bit of my first experience of being at university where it was like you just study as much as you can and you're never really going to do enough well, I'm yeah. sorry. What? You, this, that's not my. That's not. <laughs> that's not my recollection of university. Maybe no. the final year. Maybe the final year. I, I was sort of stressed out of it. But that, I didn't do that enough in the first year. I, I immensely, not immensely, but I definitely regret not being as dedicated to university yeah. in my first year, year and a half, than I was towards the second half. Because that's really the difference between the students who excel and the students who sort of do all right. Um, I almost feel like not teenagers should be forced but it'd be great if people were, took a couple of years off to work and then went okay what do I want to study that I th- yeah I think that's really rewarding because 18 is a very early stage especially now when we're living touch wood hopefully we we're, we have incredibly long lives it's not like you're going to be dead by 40 so get sort out yourself by 13 <laughs> you know you've got like a long life ahead of you talking about lifespans I was just listening to this podcast which is absolutely fascinating that um they were looking at prehistoric uh prehistoric man and actually his lifespan was around about 35 uh, this is for women as well though so lifespan between 35 and 40 so most it was there was a high infant mortality rate they could tell from uh, uh from fossils and burial sites and there was also significant people that reached an older age and it was only until the 19th century that and the the early 19th century the human lifespan was still 35 wow that globally around the world so yeah globally so actually it was hundreds because this, they're talking about prehistoric. So before even like early hominids were having this average lifespan that was the same as your great, great grandmother in 1802 or whatever, you know, that's, and it's only been in this last hundred and so years. And so it must be 200 years now, but it's only been in this last couple of centuries that we've doubled our lifespan and exactly what you're saying. We've got this, we have a whole new conception of what youth is and what old age is. Wow, you just explained my knees. Like, Like, my knees weren't meant to live this long. (laughs) It's like, why why are they so crazy? Why do they ache? Oh, that's why. I I remember writing something which was, you know, should be dead by now because it was a, and it was a sitcom about, I mean, it, it, it could still be rewritten, but it was a sitcom about there's a lot of us that are in our, 40s and 50s that still feel 
like we've not really experienced our adulthood fully yet it's very oh I've met those guys trust me yeah I've met them (laughs) (laughs) I know I know them well I know that personality very well yeah well definitely on on tinder that's pretty much what you find but uh, I genuinely I feel a bit like that myself I mean I'm knocking on for 50 and I'm cutting about with pink hair and and hanging out with people of all different ages and I love it and I and I still sometimes think oh, I want to try that next and I want to do this next I think that's like, something to embrace I mean I'm I'm going to be 40 this year and I think mainly partly because I've had this career change so it feels like a almost like a, a rebirth you know I don't feel like mm-hmm. I've been in this job a job for like 20 years and that oh gosh I need to I need to do something like it's almost like I've I've got an insurance policy against the midlife crisis you know because <laughs> like just getting into a creative industry coming from quite a professional one and only in the past sort of 18 months kind of making it work as a full-time thing means that I can't really have a, a meltdown and throw every throw away the baby with the bathwater and say right mm-hmm. now I've got to now I've got to become a mountaineer I've had my I've got to change my life moment yeah. I, had that, I had that eight years ago um so I feel okay about turning forward another reason is a lot of people I know have are over 40 I've been to so many 40th birthday parties and it's been a, a celebration so I've just I've been dying to have mine I've been to some amazing 40th birthday parties and I'm like okay cool I can't wait to have mine so it might be that I wake up on the day in in floods of tears but so far I'm feeling pretty positive about about um Scorpio season this year oh well listen it's um it's still a long way off but I I really enjoyed my 40th um what did you do for your 40th? I suppose I, I, I mean, a few friends, this sounds so, I, I've never done this before, but it sounds really tacky, but we went to Las Vegas. and um, That's not tacky. Oh, no, people do that all the time. People go to Las Vegas for everything, and, um, right? And honestly, though, I mean, it was a vastly different experience than if I'd gone there for my 21st or something like that, because mm-hmm. we went there and everyone was going, oh, I bet you had a wild time. And, blah, blah, blah. and we were like, well, the mob museum was really good. And actually um, there's a there's an alien museum there as well. And every night we'd have these massive intentions. We'd be like, yeah, we're going to go out. We're going to do this and we're going to stay out all night. And I'm the kind of person that would stay out till like five or six in the morning. But because we were doing loads of quite cultural outdoorsy activities during the day, we'd be asleep by about 10, even Just on my actual birthday. Holiday. Yeah, Honestly, like... So I'm definitely turning 40 because I love going, I love going on holiday, exhausting myself during the day, just like soaking up wherever I'm at, like wherever yeah. city I'm in, like the culture, the food, the walking. I love a walk. I love a hill. Oh, if, if I'm on holiday with you and I see a hill, <laughs> you'll be like, where's Athena? I'll just climb in a hill. I love a well, hill. Listen, it's about the view, isn't it? Because it's about Absolutely. overview. And I... My friend, I used to go traveling with this friend of mine, Hillary, and she t- she taught me about the joy of the open top tourist bus. And I was like, oh. come on, <laughs> what? What is that about? She goes, no, do it every time you get somewhere. Do, force yourself to do a circuit of the town with the open top bus. It, you get to have a look at stuff and you kind of go, oh, that's interesting. Oh, okay. And a, and a lot of the times you, you find out about things that you kind of – didn't know existed and you think oh I'll do that oh, I want to see that and the big touristy stuff that you thought you were gonna like you look at it and go oh I've seen that now fine don't need to do that it's really it's such a I mean I did an open top bus tour in Las Vegas as well and absolutely loved it I bet you did um, did you go out into the desert did you go to see Grand Canyon I went to yeah we started off in Sedona actually the the, the hippie and me went there 
um, and forced so everyone else to go. I don't. And I've never heard of that place. What, what is it? In, it's in Arizona, so it's it's not far from the Nevada border, and it's actually not far from the Grand Canyon. So it's all that kind of redstone rock, yeah. Um, and it's it's just this massive kind of. It's just beautiful. It's 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 similar kind of canyons, and it's it's meant to be. It's known as a bit of a hippie area like, right it's got it's got magical energy that's what um, deserts are like there's all deserts are hippie I, areas it's full of shamans and people um burning stuff it's you know it's, it's burning i blame burning man festival for these locations turning into really spiritual places well, sedona always was though like my auntie was out in arizona and i remember as a kid we'd get sent this magazine called what was it called arizona highways that was it and i remember as a kid living in scotland and just fantasizing about these desert roads and just this space and the sunlight and everything just looked amazing and it's i remember Luna, the last it was thing. it's incredible absolutely it is and it and i don't know i guess for some people they saw bleakness but i looked at it and i was like i love this like we went to the mojave desert as well probably not pronounced that way <laughs> well I've always well you I've always said Mojave but I don't know I might I'm probably saying it wrong as well I'm I've saying no it in like as if I'm an incredibly posh word Mojave Mojave, Mojave. yeah and, like, like how Nigella would say it yes oh god <laughs> um yeah and I, I was there and I just and everyone was like oh this is really bleak and apparently this is the hottest place on earth and I was like I love this place I would love it I love I love I love extreme heat as well I'm one of those people where I love humidity. Humidity. My favorite thing, almost my favorite part of a holiday, is getting off the plane and being smacked. Oh, that, that the wall heat. of heat. Oh, yeah, like walking yeah. into an oven. I just, I adore that feeling. I'm a, I like humidity. It's a very odd. I've been told countless times this makes me a very odd person. Probably a, rep, a reptile. I don't know, but it's but, it's something I really appreciate. I really appreciate sweating. Just by open, open your eyes, just sweating. Actually, yeah. I no, do you know that. what I? I, in Florida, I felt that a lot, actually. Oh, oh my God. Florida is just one big lizard it's tank. Just, oh, and it's it just, is, literally, because there's that's what it is. It's just full of reptiles. It's, it, yeah, it was it so incredibly hot. intense. I mean, a, a Trinidad was similar when you got closer to the, the jungle. But what I, I, I think I like all these extremes. Like, at the moment, I'm having to, like, at one point, doing this current job, I was doing it half indoors, half outdoors, six o'clock in the morning in the dark with and it's minus one or whatever and as the Scottish say there's no such thing as bad weather there's only the wrong clothes like if you've got the right clothing on it's fine and I really I like the extremes but I think once you have to actually work in those temperatures that's when it all becomes real and it's like no this is not hot this is not fun for me so I like the extremes only because Mm. I'm expecting them when I'm when it, when it's moderate or temperate, I can't be prepared for that. No, do you know what the the the, the kind of weather? This is such a British conversation, isn't it? But the kind of weather <laughs> that I absolutely hate is when it's kind of just in Scotland we call it dreek, dreek, just like grey, and it's gonna rain, but it's not raining, but it probably will rain, and like it's just and it and feels damp. relentless because it, it can it, you can last in that state for like weeks, and I think. Whereas, you know, a good brisk cold day, especially when it's sunny, that's beautiful. Right. Love yeah. it. When it's not too windy, definitely not wet and mm. bright. Brightness is the key. That That is it. But um, I've just found I've got these now 4,000 IU vitamin D tablets that I'm taking. 
<laughs> I've so, still got um, left of a pregnant care, so I'm taking those, but I think I need a higher hit of vitamin D. I'm into it, let's do not, it. I'm getting, like, my skin's going, I was looking at myself the other day, and I'm like, I'm turning sort of beige. I, like, I <laughs> feel very white. There's a picture I took of myself, and everyone was like, what filter is that? And I was like, <laughs> fatigue. This is the pandemic not left the house filter. <laughs> and I just I put, had to put on makeup the other day to record something. And I was like, this looks really funny. It's the wrong shade now because yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm so pale. I'm not getting any sunlight at all. And I've been housebound. Well, it wasn't housebound. I wasn't shielding, but it was. No. I wasn't really inclined to leave the house when I was pregnant and I couldn't be bothered. And I got a bit lazy. So I didn't leave the house for a huge amount. And oh, I didn't I, at all. I was working from home. And the only time I really got sun last year was a bit of good conservatory time, which I'm sure you must have had some of that, though. As well. I have had, but during the winter, it's crazy. The summer last year was really good. I can't, apart from the pandemic, the weather was quite good. For about hmm. two or three weeks, there were there were kind of bursts of sunshine and eating ice creams in the garden and whatever. Mm. I know the weather must have been good because I had chalk ices in the freezer. You know <laughs> the weather's good when you've got chalk ices in your freezer because you have to buy them to enjoy good weather. But then it just went shit overnight. Um, and it was like, it was like God was like, oh, you aren't really going to respect this pandemic, are you? Right, let's, let's put the sun away because, well, you know, you, you're not respecting this pandemic. And conservatories for people who don't have the pleasure of owning one get quite cold. <laughs> in the winter they're actually useless they're not they're they so actually have no purpose outside of the months of june and july they, but mine there is a window of about five hours at some point in may and another one in september <laughs> where i can use the conservatory and for the rest of the time it's just it's just a polar extreme i can't it's yeah and when it's hot sometimes it gets extraordinarily hot so like your tomato plant or something and you just think no this is ridiculous like this is absolutely unacceptable um so they're, they're very odd things conservatories like we we have one i always have I had this joke that says i have conservatory it came with the man because it did uh, <laughs> didn't have one before um and but and it, i'm grateful for it uh, we've got olive trees in ours right now that are enjoying oh, nice. it yeah oh, oh yeah proper i'm probably i've really really lent into the middle class thing you know, oh my god listen the, the fact that i'm discussing my conservatory the the younger me would be horrified <laughs> by that absolutely disgusted by it but um, no we're still young don't forget you know oh, yeah, we're yeah, yeah, yeah. now, so we're still teenagers which actually i meant to ask you this when you mentioned it what are you going to do for your 50th do you have plans i don't know actually i mean it feels abstract because i mean it's still a couple of years off so like i feel like i've got a little bit of time to oh sorry can i react, react appropriately to finding out you're 48 because this is ridiculous oh no i'm i'm 46 now 46. So when oh, sorry, this is a couple years sorry um yeah, well, that's I'm, still ridiculous I, well, no, no, you're not 46 you, why are you lying to me why why are you lying, why are you lying? <laughs> as they say beige don't age right <laughs> it, <doesn't>. <laughs> <laughs> it does it just does but it, it ages later and then suddenly it happens overnight that seems to be what happens i'm waiting for that day no, I mean, I, it's, it's interesting. I do feel like I am part of a, no, I, I'm not saying it's a new thing, but it's sort of new. I think there's, and that was part of what I was writing in that sitcom should be dead by now. Right. It was that almost because we live with the preconceptions of our parents and our grandparents of what life should be. I think my generation, especially so not my mum's, but my mine, and perhaps people just a little bit older than me, we kind of have tread a completely different path to the ones that are 
our ancestors have. It was always you would get married, you would have kids. You'd probably get married in your 20s. That's what my parents' generation did. You would have kids in your 20s. You would probably have a career that it would start in your 20s and probably continue through to till retirement. And I'm part of a generation that just lots of us either didn't get married or won't get married or got married much later or didn't have kids um, or, or left their marriages and stayed single for a long time and are moving from job to job. And in fact, it, more so than the millennials, I think my sort of generation were the ones that started to realise that you could do a couple of things at once, you know, you could have this passion project that made a bit of money. Um, like even if it was just making jewellery and selling it on a market on Saturday morning, you know, there was some, there was stuff Etsy. you could do. You know what I mean? You yes. can sell stuff on Etsy, sell stuff on eBay, become an entrepreneur. I would say what you're, I think I would articulate what you're explaining as, as, as this. The life that our parents had is actually much harder work than what we're doing now, which is whatever the hell we want. Like, I probably would have got married in my 20s and bought a house and done all these things a lot earlier. Oh, excuse me. Um, there's, a, there's a situation. Okay, he's sorted now. Um, if it wasn't so hard, but it's really hard to buy a house in your, in your 20s. It's really hard to meet someone who wants to settle down in your 20s. It's really hard in well, their 20s. It, it isn't. I mean, I was going to say it isn't, it isn't. But I think if that is the norm, if that's your norm, as it was in my parents' era it was a norm for men it was a norm for women and you just did it and it was economically much more viable for a person to have a home to get a mortgage in their 20s that was I mean even when I mean I got a mortgage I got first approved for a mortgage when I was 21 and that was for a four-bedroom house and I didn't end up going for it in the end that was 1993 no, okay. no, no, hang on. Well, 1995. Was that, that was in um, Catford. Wow. Four yeah, bedroom Victorian amazing. house for 72 grand. That was the, and I didn't do it in the end because of jonglers. It's a long story, but fuck jonglers. Anyway, um, yes, it's a, it's quite incredible. Actually, you know, when you look at The Simpsons and they, someone was, there was a sociologist who was talking about the fact that The Simpsons has, being a bit of a time capsule because when it first came out and that's you know relatively not that long ago in the in the 80s it wasn't unfeasible for a man in America in middle America to have a, what we would imagine is a kind of like blue collar job and for his partner not to be working and for them to have this quite large house and yeah. comfortable lifestyle. Front garden, Very, back garden, yeah. car, dog, I mean, cat. That, that's still more possible in America than it is for us. But it's interesting that that's in no way the reality now. The reality oh, no. If you work for that, Deliveroo or whatever, that's you're you're not sustaining that kind of lifestyle. You're you're no, and you'd need sustaining you'd a need, house share, or whatever. You'd have to have both partners at work as well. This. It, it it was really interesting when I thought about God. It really isn't that long, and we're talking about the lifespan of one TV series charting such a huge sociological difference. You know the the days of um you know a 
male going out and working and supporting a family are pretty much done. The cost of living has gone up, but wages have gone down. I'm not an economist, yeah. by the way, so I, there's probably way more complex things going on that I can conceive. But, but it's roughly that, though, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, it is it's, it's the success of capitalism, too, because capitalism is about making more things necessary to buy so, so people who sell those things get rich, making those things more expensive so people who sell those things get rich, and making labour cheap. So yeah. when you make money, you make more profit. Um, and it's really weird. I'm always amazed at how many people are invested in capitalism, bearing in mind it ultimately benefits so few. And I'm not suggesting that like we just like all, you know, we do the exact opposite, but we don't, I'm just amazed at the way we don't interrogate how we willingly kind yeah. of support people who just want to exploit. Like I don't, this is probably a small thing, tiny thing, I do not shop at Amazon anymore. I just don't do it. I just can't I am, bring myself I, to do it. I, I am so impressed with your fortitude. <laughs> I am the most hypocritical because I rail against Jeff Bezos and I rail against Amazon as being the ultimate kind of corporation. Um, and yet it is very convenient. <laughs> well, they, very I've convenient. always said that Amazon have such amazing customer service. I've, you know, anything, I remember I had an original Kindle and for some reason, it just broke. You know, you can't take the batteries out of, mm. of them as you can't with lots of electronics these days. So one yeah. day it just kind of, um, it needed a hard reboot. You needed the battery taken out of it and put back into it again. Um, it, but obviously you can't do that. So they just sent me a new mm. one. And I just remember thinking, wow, you just sent me a whole brand new Kindle. Like that's how, and just, just because, I can't even remember if it was in the guarantee, or, but it was a gift. But anyway, what I'm saying is their customer service is amazing. So they make it so your life is more inconvenient without well, them. You know, the sort of give me convenience or give me death. People are, <laughs> people will override any kind of ethics. To, I mean, I think about it all the time when for convenience. I think about it when I'm like, if I order a pizza and it's raining and I know how dangerous it is for someone to be on a bike and delivering all these little things. And I'm like, oh, fuck it anyway. Like, you know, they know the risks. Like it's, and I know the the concept of Amazon's model, the way it treats its workers, is so reprehensible. That, and it, I mean, it, I knew the same when I used to go to Weatherspoons for like curry club on a Thursday. You know, I knew it was <laughs> crap, and I knew, it, but it was so cheap, and I didn't have the money, and I'd be like, okay, well, this is. It meets a need, yeah. I don't think it's about shame. Like, I'm not. I don't want to Amazon shame you. Like, lots of people. <laughs> There's no. <laughs> but um, I what I would say is that um, it's a bit like yes, it is really convenient having one place um to to buy stuff from, and it just gets delivered, and they have mm. really customer service, all this kind of stuff. But once you get out of it, it's no more convenient than an eBay seller or Etsy. Or there's a new book. There's a new independent book bookshop. It's called Books Bookstore Info or something. Um, yes. But they they connect. They you, you you order books and they send you books from the nearest independent bookstore that's near you. Um, so stuff like that. It, but what that takes is work. You have to labour finding alternatives. But that's the only inconvenient thing. The, the actual the actual kind of logistical challenge you know, of searching for a product that- and buying it. That is still the same. It's just you've got to go through the label of finding that alternative. But that's it. That's the laziness that I've <laughs> begun to achieve. It's like, who, which comedian used to do that whole, um, 
the whole bit about you know our attention spans and our patience has just gone well it's and so it went... funny I, I, I can't remember because of our attention spans <laughs> it's like yeah you know and then saying that you know we all we all found ourselves standing in front of a microwave going come on come on come on and 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 stopping that microwave like 10 seconds before it was about to finish because you could not wait and that is and it's that level of you give someone convenience and they will want they will always want it and they'll want more like I remember ordering something from Amazon now which meant that I ordered it in the morning and it turned up in the afternoon and I was like okay this is this is the future I want do you try to do now you acknowledge this do you try to do anything to make yourself a more patient person um I think do you know what I probably don't that's (laughs) terrible I am I'm very much about forward planning but that's Oh, I love a list. Thing. Yeah, I, I, oh I've got a plan. I love a list. I, I can't oh. exist without several lists, actually. There's a friend of mine um, that I go on holiday with, and we are both, we're both in the entertainment world, and we both, <laughs> we all create these interactive spreadsheets. And our other friends are like, what is this? And okay, like, stop this is good. Interactive spreadsheets, you've got me. Talk me through right. the spreadsheet. Well, so basically, it's just like a shared Google Doc, but you update it both in real time. And then you're saying, okay, this is what you've got to bring. This is what you've got to bring. And everyone else is like, oh, it's like homework for them. But we're really enjoying it. I believe wholly in the fact that when it comes to holidays, you can only holiday with someone who's exactly like you. That's so Don't true. Don't go on holiday with anyone who has even the smallest contradiction to your personality. It's not going to work. I'll tell you, you'll come, you'll, you'll come back from that holiday enemies. It's, it, do you know what? It's hard enough to go on holiday with. Actually, me and this group really do enjoy our holidays because there was, I suppose, it was there were four of us and it was enough to say that there was always going to be one person who was in the same frame of mind as you. So, right. like, you know, if you wanted to, like... I've like one day one of us was just like and it wasn't me surprisingly it was just like I'm staying in bed till two and we were like yep fair enough do do you think but others of us were awake and you know it just I I absolutely I used to feel so guilty when I'd be on holiday and my friends would be like oh Jesus you're not up yet it's like 11 o'clock in the morning and we've gone and done this and we've done that and I'm like I'm on holiday (laughs) Oh no, I'm a doer. I mean, don't get me. I think if I go on holiday to stay in bed till 11 or midday, it's a specific, there's nothing to do in that place other than stay in your hotel or the resort or whatever. But generally speaking, my holidays are about getting out of bed, yamming the breakfast, and getting the hell out. (laughs) Oh yeah. Oh, listen, I've been known to get up, get the free breakfast, go back to bed. That's (laughs) because it's, it's, it's not that I don't think there's anything to do, it's just that I love bed and I love sleep <laughs> I love it so much that it needs to be factored into my holiday a yeah. lot I mean we could we could I think we could still go on holiday together because of the open top bus yeah. thing which I adore as well yeah, well I, I'd, be, I'd be willing to get up early on the first day to do that yeah okay and then yeah. I'd sleep I'd, be, I'd sleep easy knowing that I knew where I was going to go for the rest of the day <laughs> it's funny I don't think you can be 50 50 about getting out of bed early on holidays some people do it and some people don't but there's very rarely oh on Monday I'll lie in and on Tuesday I won't. the only uh, what, what I would say is that if I have a horrendous night of drinking then the next day I'm staying in bed um yeah. but I really do I mean I really do that these days I used I went through my 20s and 30s just drinking a lot yeah. and through my kind of mid to late mid 30s to now I barely we've got all this booze in our house and we just don't drink it it's just sitting here but is that not is that not 
but also having children that does make a difference because yeah, but it was I, this I predates the kids oh I, I mean I was god I was a terrible boozer in my 30s <laughs> it, like it just because I'd spent my 20s in long-term relationships back to back so the whole decade and so all my university years everything was always in these very stable uh, very stable relationship um but it also meant I didn't really go out as much as other people and I didn't do as much drinking but come my 30s my god you made made up for lost time Absolutely. And then I think in my early 40s, I definitely was still drinking. And I think something about this whole pandemic has actually, God, it sounds, it sounds like I'm saying there's something good about it and there's nothing good about it, but I, it has actually made me look and go, well, when you are able to go out again, is that really what you want? Because I've really enjoyed not having hangovers. Like really enjoyed it. Oh God, I hate, I, you've hit the nail on the head hangovers were absolutely the worst aspect of drinking and they they got worse as I got older they just oh my god yeah they just got worse and worse it, I can't it, I used to just feel like I'd been run over <laughs> every morning well, after a, I, a night out yeah absolutely and I'd be like flatlining through a hangover but then I knew that the next day I was still gonna I entered the realm of the two-day hangover and now I'm a lot more in tune with my body and my mind I would say that I've got a bit more of a a a kind of mind body connection now I'm more aware and I also know that mentally two days after a a drinking session I'm still not on form I'm still a bit a bit slower maybe a little bit more moody Mm. yeah it it's quite palpable um and now I'm just sort of aware that if I have got something important coming up, I need to just lay off the booze for quite some time beforehand. Is there anything you miss about drinking, like drinking a lot and going out and living that life? Um, the ability to just talk to new people. I used to suffer. I mean, I still do to a bit, but like, I think, God, I think most people that work in comedy, ironically, have some kind of social anxiety. I don't know why that seems to go hand in hand but it does it like and I think that willingness to do anything to not feel social anxiety it can can involve drinking or it can involve having jokes that you can crack you know a sort of personality that sort of takes you through that or seemingly takes you through that um so yeah I do I I used to meet a lot of people I mean I'd never remember them (laughs) (laughs) But I'd meet a lot of people and I and I think that's a lot more difficult when you when you are when you are more inhibited and you just kind of sit with your pals and you know, you're not having the same kind of I think maybe that's a, a youth thing as well though. You know, when you're young you've got hundreds of friends, like or at least a fair amount. And as you get older it narrows down more and more. I was just thinking the other day, when was the last time I went to a restaurant with friends and I can't even remember. You didn't, oh, you didn't even eat out to help out, Becky? Come on. <laughs> Do you know what? How could you? Not very patriotic of you, is it? I, I know. And what, what a terrible move that was of mine to not... <laughs> I went out with my with my two-year-old 
we we went, we had like Pizza Express lunches most days because there's a Pizza Express on <laughs> not yeah. far from us. So I was like, because I love doughballs, but I don't like paying for them because they're just like bread. <laughs> Yeah. So when you yeah, had to help out, I was like, we're eating, we're eating doubles every day. Exactly. And I charged like seven pounds for them. Even three pound fifty was too much. But I, you know, I thought I might as well, might as well push the boat out. Um, even though, I mean, that's just kind of, that's the kind of thing I ethically should not have done because eat out to help out. It was, it was a disaster as far as I'm concerned. Oh, it was, a, I mean, it was so ill-conceived on so many different levels. And actually loads of um, experts at the time were going, this is a really bad idea. This is a really bad idea. Um, especially when it was like eat out to help out because of Wagamama's it's like who cares <laughs> like Wagamama's food is shit I get a load of stick from people when I say that Wagamama's is crap Wagamama's is bland I'll tell you something man go and eat some fish fingers that's Wagamama's it, they take, their food tastes like fish fingers it's all so, of it and also the experience of sitting at Wagamama's it's like sitting in a school canteen oh it's prison mate it's just yeah. <laughs> And then you can't hear each other. Well, this is me and my deafness, but I can't hear the person in front of me because of the person next to me yarring on. Um, yeah, it's just, it, it's a deeply unsatisfactory experience for me. Like, oh, absolutely. Their food is bland, bland, bland. The only good thing about Wagamama's is that you used to get unlimited green tea from memory. I think oh, yes. you used to get like green tea or jasmine tea unlimited. So that bottomless green tea, uh, which is like fine, but you can get, you know, green tea is really cheap. Yeah, exactly. I can have, I've got bottomless green tea in my yard. Um, so yeah, horror. And generally speaking, Pan Asian restaurants uh-uh, get, go to a specific one. Anything, anytime you see, if I see a Pan African restaurant, I'm like, no, no. you're not going to give me Ethiopian food and Ghanaian food. That well, can't that's it, exactly. you're going to do it all badly rather than one thing well. So yeah, Pan. I'm, I've, oh, actually, have you heard of the hare and tortoise? I haven't. No. There's about three or four of them in London. There's one in sort of the Brunswick Centre in King's Cross. And I think there's one in West London. That's a good pan-Asian restaurant. I take it back. They do, And what they do is they take dishes from like certain places like Malaysia, Japan. And I think they just specialise in that individual dish. Does that make sense? So I'm yeah, just saying, oh, right, we do yeah. Chinese food really well or um, Vietnamese food really well. They just take a, a dish. Um, their Malaysian coat, they do a Malaysian chicken coat, which I don't eat it anymore because I don't eat chicken. Yeah. But when I used to go there a lot, I don't know why I'm going into this detail. But I, I don't even know if hair and tortoise still exists, actually. <laughs> I've not been there for ages. There used um, to be, I can't remember, there was, like, I remember there was a pub in the countryside in Kent that did that had this amazing Thai chef. Like, just randomly, they had this amazing Thai chef. I remember thinking, that, I just sort of that sounds like that's a great so cool. sitcom. I don't know. No, it, it sounds like a great. I don't know why. I just think that'd be good. Like like chef of Lenny Henry, but with this Thai chef. Yeah, but I love the idea that you know this is a, a probably quite a. It was really country town in Kent, so it was probably quite a white area. But the way we as British people have embraced food of the world, I feel quite proud of. I feel like we we are. We had to because our food's really bad. Like, <laughs> If we didn't, like we'd be stuck with sausages and mash. So it was like there was a vacuum waiting to be filled with food. Yeah, <laughs> like we really well, needed it. I just read a, an article about how Chinese restaurants and takeaways are kind of dying out because people aren't, there's su- such a plethora of choice and other cuisines. People are bored with um, Chinese and, and less so, but still being affected is, is the good old Indian restaurant. Apparently it's not surviving as well this makes my heart but also i live in an area of north london where you cannot buy a takeaway because it's so bad like what has happened is restaurateurs in 
certain areas like mine and I'm in I'm in Enfield have realized mm-hmm. they can pass off any old shit as authentic yes, so there is a- we I'm not a takeaway person but my partner is so when we moved in together you know he, we started getting takeaways and I'm really not a takeaway person but then I realized takeaways come in containers and I love a container so the <laughs> the upside of getting a takeaway <laughs> do you wash yours and use yours yeah I my yeah, freezer is full of containers like of my oh leftovers my and and the fridge is full of leftovers so that's how I tolerate this takeover business this takeaway business like okay we're getting a takeaway I don't like it it's overpriced. However, I'm getting a container. Anyway, I'm I'm yet to have a decent takeaway in this part of London. And we've tried Turkish. We've tried, and this is a Turkish area. We've tried Chinese. We've tried Indian. Um, and it's all been like, so it got to the point where we went, the last time we went to Chinese, my partner went to, went to the person, look, yeah, like, we like it a bit spicy. You know what I mean? Like, could you just season the food really well? And it was like six out of 10. And we had to ask for that. <laughs> So. What, Lisa? I mean, that's it, it's awful around here, but yet I am still a massive fan of the takeaway. And I remember at one point while I was working a lot, so that was actually last year, and I was working so relentlessly on the the Funny Women Awards, and I was at home and I just wasn't even going out to shop, and I was just like getting loads of takeaways. And one day I opened the door and the delivery driver was there, and he was like, "Oh, hey, hey, how are you?" And I'm like. Uh, hi, hi, hi Becky. Haven't seen you in a while. No, literally. And I was like, and I, and he goes, "Do you not remember me?" And I was like, "Oh, I said no, no." But do you deliver? Like, are you with Justy and Deliveroo as well? This was an Uber Eats guy, and he was like, "No." <laughs> <laughs> and I've, and I just realised that I've been. I mean, obviously there must have been a few drunken episodes where I couldn't remember calling like deliveries but it's it was a really bad habit i got two christmas cards last year from two different takeaways <laughs> oh it's a bit like joey from friends having slept with every woman in new york it's like oh i've had all the delivery drivers in london come to my house <laughs> literally and like and these were handwritten christmas cards that's hilarious well that's you know something i take back about the whole eat out to help out thing you are putting money back into the economy i am eating it to help you're it without the incentive as well you're just getting on with it so oh. that's that's a good thing um, and on that note, I'd say I regret immensely that you can't come to my house to eat out because normally people come to my house to record these podcasts yeah. and I just fry bare plantain. I just fry plantain, put on a coffee and we and we chat. So And I'm really fussy about plantain as well. I'm because... fussy too. Tell me tell me specifically how you would like it made. I do like it fried and I like it fried in a type of butter that like Is it ghee? It yeah, would it but but also I've I've seen other people do it with clarified butter that's not just ghee so like yeah i like that and if there's any hint of floweriness i'm out oh okay so it's got to be soft it's got to be yeah. a, a, a yellow with black spots soft plantain it's, and how, how yeah. do i get cut do you like discs like little carrots do you like discs, discs? Yeah. okay discs. Yeah. Right, yeah. and in terms of like roundness what we're we talking about crispy it's it, so, well mid crispy it's like the same consistency as a good <laughs> chip chop chip what i'm gonna do is when this is over i'm gonna give you a plantain voucher that you can claim <laughs> okay. uh, you can claim this voucher at any time this voucher is yours it's a virtual voucher uh, and you can get your plantain whenever you want um the only difference is you have to deliver, deliver yourself here i'm not going to deliver oh, it to I, you you have to deliver yourself get a little scooter um i would absolutely love that and i w- i'm gonna make palauri again so yes we haven't even spoken yeah. right yes mate th- you bring i'll bring the plantain you bring the palauri uh, this yeah. isn't the first time palauri has been mentioned on this podcast 
Are you um, kidding me? No, no, no. So it's not the first time. So my friend Carmen Ali is from Trinidad. Um, and her mum is from Trinidad. So it came up yeah. here as well. Um, so uh, oh, just, for, just for the benefit of the listener at home, uh, you are Guyanese uh, or half Guyanese. Yeah. Yes, as am I, which is why we're talking about Polari. Um, because people will be like, what is that? What um, is that? It has to be tried. It's so good. It's really good. And um, I've had to stop making it because it's fried. And we're, me oh, and my partner just trying not to eat so much fried food because we're not going out at all. And we're not exercising. Um, but it's really good. It's basically like a bhaji, but it's way nicer than a bhaji. Sorry yeah, to people who It doesn't do. have any pesky veg in it no. either. It's a bit like, it's the Caribbean dough ball, basically. With, uh, That's exactly what I say. I say it's a savoury donut. I tell, when I'm trying to describe it to people, I'm like, a savoury donut made of chickpea flour. And it goes really well with like tamarind sauce, something that's kind oh, of yes. sweet and bittery at the same time. But then have you, have you noticed that once you've done palauri, that oil is now just, oh, it's, you it, can't use it. It's literally, it's, 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 like, um, it's like a Kardashian. It just changed the colour. You know, yeah, it's bright just, yellow. It's just, like, yeah, you can't use it. I think chickpea flour is a bit like flying fish; like it just kind of pollutes. It just makes the oil really dirty. And I'm, I will, I will use oil about three or four times. Otherwise, like I'm, I'm gonna speak. <laughs> I up. use, I'll use it in cooking. I'll use it though. if I'm doing any curry recipes. I'll use the old palauri. Oh yeah, you keep it in a little, a little container. Um, yeah. Listen, you, you, what you are with with um, takeaway containers, I am with glass jars. Oh, okay. I am obsessed. At one house, I came home one day and one of my flatmates had chucked out my jar. <gasps> so upset. Oh, that, no, because it takes a long time to get through that, all that jam. You know, to start oh, to start a jar exactly. collection again, that's really hard going. That's not good at all. And, but, and, and I, I have this really, and I don't know whether it's the, the Guyanese, it's the Indian, it's the Scottish, but there's a lot of me that just doesn't want to throw things Thrifty. Out. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you come from the three top three thrifty nations in I know, the world. I literally, I was born to be tight. Like <laughs> no, it's thrifty. Okay. It's thrifty, resourceful and efficient. Okay. That's and, amazing. And they asked me what I was waiting for. They were like, well, are you waiting for some kind of like, you know, Armageddon type situation? Like where, and I was like, <laughs> The aliens were allergic to glass. Well, that's amazing. Look what we've got in our flat. <laughs> that's exactly it. Or like I, when someone needs emergency canning of jam, I'm going to be there. I'll be there. I'll, I will save a glass jar if it's got a, if it's got like an interesting lid. Is that, you know, like if it's got a nice kind yeah. of, you know, if it looks a bit or, fancy. What about if it's got like embossed writing? Yeah, on very glass? tempted to save that. Yeah, very tempted. I, I put my spices in a lot of them though. Yeah, I... I'll, 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 I'll pickle things and bottle things in oil as well. Oh yeah, yeah, a bit of sliced lemon that goes in the that goes in a glass jar. So this is all very this is all very useful. Okay, uh, somebody's getting a bit upset, so I think I, have to, I think I have to um, uh, uh, succumb to his moaning. Um, but Becky, you've been fantastic. This is I wish I could talk for another hour because we didn't we didn't discuss we didn't cover Polari. We only just squeezed in the plantain chat, and I want to know more about your jars. <laughs> But we'll have to do that when you next come with your plantain voucher. I will do. Thank you so much thank, for having me. Thank it's you such for keeping nice my company. Oh. Well, um, say hello to the little ones for me. I will. I'll say, I'll give them little cuddles and I'll say hello. And one day you're going to meet them. We should be I know, fantastic. when they're all grown up. <laughs> <laughs> well, well they, won't, they won't be grown up because they'll be kids till they're like 30. So. Oh, yeah, that's true, that's actually. You still have to buy the Christmas maybe presents. Even... Yeah. <laughs> Oh, on that note. Right, on that. All right, right, we're done, we're done, we'll finish it. All right, thank you, thank you. You've thank been a pleasure. See you soon. Bye, bye, bye.
thank you to the wonderful and talented and fantastic and brilliant person that is Becky Singh. Thank you, Becky, for coming on to my podcast and for proving uh, a fact that I think is indisputable. And that fact is people who hoard reusable containers are good people. That's the difference. Okay, that is the line that divides us all, whether we hoard reusable containers or we don't. So good on you for proving that. Um, I completely believe that people who throw away perfectly good containers, um, they won't make it to the promised land. Absolutely not. You won't be joining us there, but we'll be there with our empty containers um, that we will use one day, I promise. Guys, that's the end of, the, of this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Um, if you don't know, or you should know by now, my name's Athena Convenu. I'm a stand-up comedian, writer, and podcaster. So come find me on Twitter, Instagram, or, or whatever it is you use. I think I still have, um, I have a Snapchat that I started ages ago, but I never used it. But you can find me there if you really, really want to. Um, if you like this podcast, do what you normally do, a podcast that you like, you know, share them, like it, put a comment, or or do or do whatever. But as always, you got to the end of this podcast. It is so Thank you for listening and we will catch up next time.